What does the Bible teach about the return of Jesus Christ? That's our topic here on the Radio Bible Course, and we welcome you to our study of Paul's epistle, his first epistle, to the Thessalonians. Our scripture today begins with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Paul writes, But we would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This passage deals with what some theologians refer to as the rapture. The word rapture is not found in the New Testament. It's based on a word that sounds similar in the Latin, which means to catch up or to snatch away. And from this word, or related to this word, is the word raptor. That refers to a class of birds which dive down upon their prey, such as hawks and falcons. They snatch their prey and then fly away. So we are familiar with the word raptor. Now, the Thessalonian Christians apparently were troubled. They wondered about those believers who died before Jesus Christ came. What would happen to them? Oh, they understood that Jesus was going to come back. But somehow there seems to have been some confusion, and some of the people thought that unless you were alive when Jesus came back, then there was no hope for you. So the question was, what will happen to our relatives who have died? They didn't make it to the great day of Christ. And that may have been the problem. Jesus, you remember, taught in John chapter 14, 1 through 3, and this was on the day before he was crucified, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now that quotation follows what comes at the beginning of that chapter when Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Apparently, that teaching of Jesus was widespread throughout the early churches. At least we get that impression that the early Christians were anticipating the return of Jesus Christ at any moment and certainly in their lifetime. But now it's been almost 2,000 years and Christ has not yet returned. But Paul explains the reason for that. 
God is saving Gentiles. He is forming his church. Jesus promised to build the church, and he's in the process of doing that now. And Paul explained that the end would not come until the full number of Gentiles have been brought into the church. So we are going through a period known as the church age, or you might call it the spirit age, because God's spirit lives in every true believer today, something unheard of before the cross of Christ. In verse 13, Paul uses the word ignorant. We would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. That expression is found five times in the New Testament, always by Paul, and in almost every case, he uses it in connection with the word brethren, a tender word, and we should not miss that. He's not trying to insult them. He instead is focusing on the importance of the teaching which he has here. And whenever you find this expression, I don't want you to be ignorant, it usually introduces new teaching. Paul also uses the word asleep. He's talking about some people who are asleep. And apparently, the Thessalonians were grieving about those people. Listen to the verse again. But we would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. The word sleep here is a word used in both the Old and the New Testaments for death. It's a metaphor, and it's quite applicable to believers in Jesus Christ, because death for them is a temporary thing. They're dead or asleep until they are raised like Christ was raised. So sleep is a tender and a softened word for death. He is talking about believers in Thessalonica who have already died, and their relatives seem to be concerned for them. Now, among the pagans and people who do not believe in Jesus Christ and don't know God, there is sorrow, wailing, and a hopelessness. Many people have fear, such as I did when I was a boy, because I had no assurance that God loved me or had accepted me, even though I was reared in the church. Problem is, the church taught me about the Ten Commandments, but not about Jesus Christ and how much God loved the world and sent his Son to save me. I didn't hear about the grace of God until I was 16 years of age, and when I heard it, believe me, I grabbed it. That was the best thing that I had ever heard. I was astonished that instead of God trying to get me for something, he was instead trying to give me something, and that was very good news. Now, when I hear a person say that he is afraid of death, I can understand it because I experienced it. If a person says he's not afraid of death, it's probably because he's afraid to think about it and has tried to put it out of his mind, or he's not being truthful. Unless, of course, he has a promise from God that keeps him from having fear of death. You see, there are promises that say those who have believed in Jesus Christ will not come into judgment, but have already passed from death into life. Now that's something to hold on to. And although there are people who've been going to church and seem to believe in God, 
and respect the Bible, they yet somehow have not personally applied a promise to their own life so that they could be secure in the love of God. Now, the Radio Bible Course wants to help people like that. And if you are one of those who don't have absolute assurance and do have fears about death, then I wish you would write to us so we can be of help to you personally. Fear of death is real. Many people have it. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has conquered death. Because the Thessalonian epistle was one of the earliest written by Paul, those Thessalonian Christians did not have available to them what Paul wrote to the Romans, which is a great expression of confidence in eternal salvation. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 related to this subject of deliverance. What then shall we say to this, if God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are being killed all the day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, Paul writes, that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Only a man who had no fear of death could write something like that. And every morning when I awaken, I thank God that I have another day to live, and there is no fear of death. What's the best remedy for men going into battle? It's to tell them about Jesus Christ and to let them know how they will be saved eternally. Even though they may die in battle, they can go forward without fear because they'll know who their Savior is and they will know the promise of God. Now, that is very comforting. No one attending church should have any fear of death, but unfortunately they do, because the subject is not taught and the gospel is not being made clear enough. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul acknowledges that the heathen people did grieve about others who were dead. And he said, they have no hope. Do you have hope? Can you have hope? Hope in what? When we use the word hope in our language, it implies a certain question mark that uh, we're not sure of something. It raises serious doubts. Oh, we hope for a nice day, or we hope to win a prize, but that indicates that we don't really expect that to happen. 
However, when the Bible uses the word hope, it means something that is absolutely sure and good. For example, what was the Christian's hope to which Paul here is referring? In verse 13, well, it's the return of our Lord Jesus Christ as he wrote to Titus in chapter 2 and said, For the grace of God has appeared for the salvation of all men, training us to renounce irreligion and worldly passions and to live sober, upright, and godly lives in this world, awaiting our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. Christ died so that we could belong to him. We are his people, and he is our blessed hope. Now, some people would be terrified if they thought Christ might return today or tomorrow, and their manner of life might change significantly. Not so for a Christian. He looks forward to that day, because that's the day of his complete deliverance. Well, we'll continue our study here. We didn't get very far today. Please join me tomorrow as we continue to talk about the return of Jesus Christ. As an independent Bible teaching ministry, the Radio Bible Course depends upon its listeners to keep these broadcasts on the air. You can be a partner in this ministry. Gifts are tax-deductible. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavoda reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.